Welcome to the fourth tale from the Broken Bones podcast. London's old city has a history going back over a thousand years. Its buildings are to be cherished and maintained, so when it's time for them to be renovated, you better be sure it's for the best. Hang on to your hard hats as you settle down and enjoy 37 Lombard Street. Devotnik Bookcast parks outside the large glass and steel facade of the newly renovated offices in London's Lombard Street. The building has had many incarnations in its long history, formerly part of the offices of the East India Company. Its anonymous facade hid a beautifully restored and modernised interior. She presses her phone to the front door lock, which clicks open, and she makes her way through a narrow archway out into the main body of the building. So extensive had the renovations been, that a time traveller familiar with the building's past would have found it difficult to tell exactly where they were. A new bright atrium had been carved from the existing floors and a glass cupola allowed shafts of light to penetrate deep within the building. Devotnik stood for a moment and took in the sight. When her company had been appointed architects to undertake the renovation, the building had been entirely different. Where now stood the bright atrium, there had been a greasy, unreliable lift. It had sliding lattice shutters instead of solid doors, so you always felt that you were going to lose at least one finger every time you used it. The lift would break down at least once a week, usually on a Friday around 2pm, when a few of the more dissolute staff would come back from the pub and cram into it, causing it to get stuck between floors. The very unhappy fire brigade would turn up an hour or so later to free and chide the inhabitants, who were now seriously in need of the toilet. It had been an easy decision to rip out the lift and start again. She had installed a modern glass elevator at the back of the building. It filled the entirety of the tiny courtyard garden, which, up until then, had been the smoking area. Almost no one smoked now, and sympathy for those who still did had long been extinguished. Smoking was completely banned, even from outside the building. A few harboured a resentment over this, but fewer bothered mentioning it. Devotnik was due to meet her chief electrician there that Sunday afternoon. He'd had to drive in from deepest Essex, and would have come in the morning but for the fact that he had attended the christening of his nephew. He could hardly have skipped it, what with him being the kid's godfather and all. Somewhat begrudgingly, he had agreed to meet Devotnik in the afternoon. The rest of the family were having a proper party. Weddings, christenings and funerals. His lot knew how to do a do. He had considered cancelling, but Dev, as he called her, was an important customer whose projects were worth serious money to him. The work had allowed his family to build a successful business off the back of her contracts. Initially, some had been resistant to working for Dev, Another bloody immigrant coming over here, stealing our jobs. Who the hell does she think she is? Bloody Poles. Except Dvotnik Bukkas wasn't Polish or Romanian. She was very definitely Lithuanian. Arriving in Britain as a young woman, essentially penniless, she had worked for years on building sites, labouring for minimum wage through the day and studying by night at the Open University, learning to be an architect. Not only had she put herself through the courts, she also sent what money she could home to her widowed mother in Vilnius. After seven long years of hard craft, 
Novotnik had not only qualified as an architect, but she had also built up a huge number of contacts in the London building trade. The labouring had allowed her to work on a tremendous number of projects and get to know how you did things in London. So it hadn't taken her long to get a start in a new career. At first, it was just a few subcontracting jobs, designing a stairway or assisting with the groundwork. After a time, these smaller jobs progressed to larger and more important work. Finally, she landed the Lombard Street job two years ago. The removal of the lift and the addition of the atrium was what had swung the contract for her. It was bright and bold, and there wasn't anything else like it in the surrounding streets. It had persuaded the property's owners to keep the building's facade, rather than tear it down for yet another anonymous office block. And now, here she was on the eve of her triumph. The opening of the building tomorrow, and the arrival of the tenants. From behind her, she could hear a card being swiped, and the door unlocking as the electrician made his way into the building. Dev, he called, waving an arm at her, and carrying a clipboard under the other. As the work had yet to be fully signed off, they were both wearing hard hats. Dev tipped hers at the electrician heading toward her. Afternoon, sorry about that. The insurance company won't sign them off until we double-check the wiring for a new lift. I don't know why they're being so picky. It might be something to do with a tube line that runs 20 feet below the basement. Can't be having any accidents down there now, can we? They both roll their eyes at each other in the now traditional health and safety gone mad way everybody on a building site is obliged to do. Neither of them wants there to be any room for doubt or accidents, so despite their seeming reticence to comply, they both happily do so. Should we get started then, Dev asks. Might as well. I might even make it back in time for some cake. Tvotnik laughs, and they head to the back of the building. She takes a set of keys from her pocket and approaches a large slab of marble that forms one of the walls. She feels for the special spot and gently presses it. With a satisfying clunk, a small flap springs open and a handle with a keyhole is revealed. She takes the keys and sorts through them. Finding the correct one, she inserts it into the lock turning it one full rotation. Devotnik removes the key and grasps the handle. Twisting it, she releases the catch that's been holding the marble slab in place and the huge door swings effortlessly open. Oh, that's very satisfying, says the electrician. Devotnik gives a small chuckle to herself. Craftswomanship, she replies, tapping her nose. Behind the door, there lies a stairway. This isn't the stairway to the basement. The basement has a cafe in it and a small gym. No, this stairway is the stairway to the level below the basement. It's slightly bigger than a crawl space, and you can just about stand upright in it. Devotnik pulls a torch from her inside pocket and flicks it on. They both begin the descent. Despite the safety lighting, Devotnik keeps the torch on. The stairs are very narrow and steep. They curl around to the right, and wind round the walls of the basement. They had originally wanted to put a trapdoor in the floor of the cafe so they could improve the access to the sub-basement, but building control were having none of it. As soon as you got within 50 feet of a tube line, you were pretty much required to work on the floor with an archaeologist's trowel and a toothbrush. You were also on the hook for any financial implications of your work. Not wanting to be bankrupt by a trapdoor, 
the Voltnik had decided to utilise the existing access. The electrician had cursed the decision every single day that he and his team had been forced to carry a lot of heavy electrical equipment down by hand into the hot void below the cafe. But they had done so, and now the fruits of their labour were standing there before them. That's sure some pretty wiring. Thanks, Dev. Should be. You know how much time and effort it took to get that lot down here. Surely do. Now let's take a look at what the insurance company is going on about, shall we? The electrician lifted his clipboard and Dev shone the torch at the paperwork and began to flick through the pages. Ah, here it is. Section 13B. They both studied the section that had been ringed in red. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by this, said the electrician. This doesn't relate to the lift. No, that's section 12CDENF. I don't recall there being a section 13 at all. To be honest, section 13 usually gets left off altogether, superstition being what it is in the building trade. They look again. Where's section 13A, says Dev. There isn't one. Are you sure? It's not in the paperwork, and that's all I've got. Dev sighs. Right, we had better check what we have got. He'd look again, and there is a diagram in the notes that neither of them had noticed before. Where did that come from? The electrician shrugs. It is a diagram, apparently of the space they are standing in. To the right of the patch panel they were admiring, the diagram indicates a smaller, recessed door. At that moment, the ground beneath them begins to rumble, and the floor begins to shake. They are both exceedingly familiar with the approach of the DLR train heading towards the monument. It stops the conversation as they wait for it to pass. Wait, there's no door there, says the electrician. I've practically lived down here for the last year, and I would have noticed. Devotnik flashes the torch at where the diagram indicates the presence of the door. They're both shocked to see, under the torch's harsh white light, a small, recessed this is some kind of joke, Dev. Because if it is, I'm not finding it very funny. No, I swear. I don't know how this can be. Where did you get these documents? They were hand-delivered to my site office. I thought you'd sent them. No. I swear, the first I knew about it was when you told me about the documents in your text the other day, and we arranged to meet here. They both stood in an uncomfortable silence for a moment. Well, what are we going to do? We can't ignore it now we've found it. Devotnik hesitated for an instant. She put her hand on the electrician's arm. Wait, she said. What's the matter? It's only a door. Devotnik felt the colour drain from her face. Her breath quickened and she steadied herself on the wall. Are you okay? You're as white as a sheet. In my country, as a child... We get told tales about things like this. It sounds ridiculous to think such things could happen in days and times like these, but seeing this has stirred up a memory I have. I once saw a door like this. Dev, this is not a great time to start telling me fairy stories. This is not a fairy story. It's about the boobas. What? The boobas. When you want children to be good, you threaten them with the boobas. They have long, thin arms, long, thin fingers and great long nails. 
They have bright red eyes and hide under your bed or behind your cupboards and grab you if you've been naughty. I'm trying to think of the English name for them. Bogeyman? The electrician offers. Yes, that's it, the bogeyman. Brilliant. Are you trying to tell me the bogeyman lives behind that door? I don't know. All I know is that when I was eight years old, a door, just like this one, appeared in my brother's bedroom one night. He was younger than me, and he called me in to look at it, because he was so scared. We couldn't call our parents, because that would only make it worse. Part of the story was that if you told, the boobass would come back and find you later, and things would be a lot worse for you. Did you tell them, Dev? Did you? Devotnik swallows uncomfortably. Yes, I told them. I ran downstairs and got them to come and take a look. By the time they had returned to my brother's bedroom, the door had gone, and so had he. Are you trying to tell me this is true? What happened to your brother? I don't know. My parents were distraught. My father especially. They looked and looked and looked for him, but no trace was ever found. My father died of a broken heart a year later. My mother blamed me for my brother's disappearance and my father's death. That's why I left Lithuania. I came here to make a fresh start, but now it looks like it's found me. The electrician looked at Devotnik. He couldn't be sure what to make of Deb's tale. Deb, there must be some other explanation for this. Monsters aren't real. I'm really sorry about your brother, but maybe he wandered off and the door was just a dream. This is London 2024. Stuff like that just doesn't happen here. I'm going to show you. He moved toward the door. No, don't. It feels like it's happening again. Please leave it. We must go. Look, I don't believe in ghosts and neither should you. The electrician stretches out a hand and gives the door a shove. It doesn't move. He turns and wrestles the torch out of Dev's hand. Scanning the surface of the door, he notices a small handle in the middle of the left-hand side. He takes a breath and grasps the handle. Turning it, he gives the door another shove. This time it gives. He shoves it again. It swings fully open. A curl of dust follows its path. Please don't. Close it. Close it. The main lights in the sub-basement flicker and fail as another tube train approaches and the room rattles and shakes. The electrician ignores her. I'm going to show you there's nothing here but some superstitions you need to get over, and he shines the light into the inky blackness. He peers into the gloom. Two red eyes stare back, and a long, spindly arm with long, tearing claws shoots out and grabs for the door. Reflexively, he throws the torch at the thing and slams the door shut. The lights have gone out. Thick darkness surrounds them. Neither of them can speak. The floor begins to vibrate as a train approaches. The lights flicker in time to the rhythm of a train on a track. In the blinking light, Devotnik notices a figure in the shadows. A long, thin, clawed arm unfolds in her direction. Dev tries to speak, but the words catch in her throat. She waves a hand at the electrician. He sees her and turns to look at what she is now pointing at. In the flickering light, a pair of red eyes blink at them. Dev, we need to go. 
to Rotnik nods. The childhood fears now a haunting reality. They turn to leave, but the sub-basement seems to have been transformed into an unfamiliar maze. The room rumbles as another train passes under their feet. The sound seems distant, and they struggle to keep their balance as their senses start to swim. The flickering lights recede as the darkness envelops them, and bony arms wrap around them, dragging them further into the dark. 37 Lombard Street is written and read by Tony Hazel. The recording is copyright 2024, Two Kittens Publishing.